American Catholic History is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hello, and welcome to American Catholic History. If you like our podcast, help others find it by sharing the episode and giving us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcast. I'm Noelle Heaster-Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Today, we're talking about Father Stephen Baden, the first priest ordained in the United States. He was another French Sulpician who fled the French Revolution and came to the United States. God brings good out of evil, and the church here in the U.S. owes a huge debt of gratitude to Robespierre and the other architects of the French Revolution. I don't know how Bishop John Carroll would have made any headway at all in growing the church in this country if the French Revolution hadn't impelled so many amazing priests to flee for their lives, particularly the Sulpicians. We talked about this before in episodes 39 about Bishop John Dubois, and again in episode 64 about Father Gabriel Richard. The Sulpicians will come up again for sure because they also founded St. Mary Seminary in Baltimore, the first seminary in the U.S., and a number of them were among our earliest bishops. So many amazing stories yet to tell. So let's talk about one of them, Father Stephen Baden. As I said, he was the first priest ordained here in the new United States, and he was originally from France. Yes, Stephen Theodore Baden, and since he was French, it was probably like Badon, but we're Americans, we pronounce it Baden. We checked with a Notre Dame grad. He was born in Orléans, France on July 17, 1768. He entered the Sulpician Seminary in Orléans in 1789, but it didn't take long for the madness of the French Revolution to spread from Paris to Orléans. The seminary was closed in 1791 by the government, and the Sulpicians there followed the lead of their confreres in Paris, and they fled to America, lest they get a close trim from Madame Guillotine. Baden was a subdeacon at this point, and he sailed from Bordeaux on the same ship that brought a number of other Sulpicians, including Father Benedict Joseph Flaget. Keep that name in mind, Benedict Joseph Flaget. Baden and Flaget and other Sulpicians who joined them arrived in the U.S. in March of 1792. John Carroll, the first bishop of Baltimore, welcomed them. The first thing these Sulpicians did was buy a three-story tavern in Baltimore, and in it established St. Mary's Seminary, the first in the United States. St. Mary's is still around, but now it's in a grand building in the north of Baltimore. Stephen Baden was among the first students at St. Mary, but he needed so little additional training that he was ready for ordination the following year. So on May 25, 1793, Stephen Baden was ordained a priest in the pro-cathedral of St. Peter in Baltimore. This made him the proto-priest of the United States, and later in life, he actually would occasionally sign documents and letters with that title. So, yeah. Anyhow, after ordination, he was sent to brand new Georgetown College to learn to speak English better before he was given his first assignment. And that first assignment was to the Kentucky frontier. He protested this assignment, wishing to remain in the cities, and he told Bishop Carroll his thoughts. Yeah, as we'll see, he was not one to keep his thoughts to himself. No. So Bishop Carroll invited Father Baden to join him in a novena to pray for God's guidance on the matter. At the conclusion of the novena, Carroll remained steadfast in his decision to send Baden to Kentucky. Baden, annoyed, asked, Of what utility, then, has been our nine-day prayer? To him, the only reason to do the prayer was to effect a change. Bishop Carroll replied calmly, I lay no command but I think that it is the will of God that you should go. Father Baden let obedience overcome his own preferences. He set off for Kentucky on foot 
in September of 1793 when he was 25 years old. He and a companion priest, Father Michael Barriere, walked from Baltimore to Pittsburgh. Which is a feat in itself. That's 200 miles over the Appalachians of Maryland and Pennsylvania. It can get cold up there. Yeah, and this was on foot. When they arrived in Pittsburgh in November, they boarded a boat to float down the Ohio River, finally disembarking at Maysville, Kentucky. This gave them just a 65-mile walk to get to Lexington. They completed this long journey just in time for Father Baden to offer Mass on the first Sunday of Advent, 1793. Baden established himself in the Lexington area to minister to the Catholics there, while Father Barriere continued further west to the area around Bardstown. Catholics from Maryland had been settling in central Kentucky over the previous eight years, and Bardstown was fast becoming the major center of Catholic life west of the Appalachians. Over the next few decades, so many Catholic institutions would be established in the region that it became known as the Kentucky Holy Land. We first talked about Bardstown and the Catholics who settled in that area in episode 43. And we had so much fun with that episode, we're actually leading a pilgrimage to the Kentucky Holy Land and Bourbon Country this August. Everyone should join us. Get Absolutely. details at AmericanCatholicHistory.org slash pilgrimages. It promises to be a great time filled with prayer, spiritual renewal, and ample opportunities to learn more about our Catholic heritage in this country, as well as how the Catholics in the area helped make bourbon a thing. Yeah, our spiritual director is going to be Father Marcus Pollard of the Arlington Diocese and currently chaplain at Christendom. It's going to be a great time. And the spaces are beginning to fill up, so sign up soon. Yep. But back then, this still was rugged frontier, and that life didn't suit Father Barriere. In April of 1794, just six months after they arrived, he was gone to New Orleans. Father Baden was the only priest in Kentucky. He remained in Lexington for a while longer, but accepted that for his ministry to be fruitful, he was going to have to move closer to Bardstown. He made that move early in 1795, building a cabin for himself near Pottinger's Creek. Pottinger's Creek is where Basil Hayden and the first Catholic family settled in 1785, so he certainly got a lot closer. Right, and he named his cabin and the land around it in honor of his namesake, St. Stephen, but everyone else called it Priestland. So he was established in the Barstown area, but there were, of course, some complications. Uh, of course. For one, he had significant financial struggles. The financial model for Catholic parishes in the U.S. at the time was based on church ownership of land. That land was either rented to others or it was farmed for the church's benefit. So the church was generally self-sufficient for funds and didn't have to rely on donations from parishioners. The Catholics of Kentucky were from Maryland, where the priests were supported in this way, so they were not accustomed to supporting their parish priest. Father Baden had a very difficult time getting the support he needed. This challenge was made more acute because he spent so much time on horseback traveling from one Catholic outpost to another all over central Kentucky. He had no time to prepare his land for farming. But Father Baden didn't have to rely on his own industry for this. He had slaves. Yes, he was among the early Catholic priests who benefited from slavery. Now, a few things must be stipulated about this. First, he absolutely knew that slaves were human persons with immortal souls who, in justice, deserved instruction in the faith and access to the sacraments. He believed that those who held slaves were responsible for their immortal souls and would be held liable if they did not help their slaves to be good Catholics. This included doing anything that would imperil their access to catechesis and the sacraments, like selling them or transferring them to non-Catholics. He did not subscribe to the abolitionist movement, unfortunately, but neither did he believe that African slaves were somehow subhuman. In many ways, he actually seemed to believe that African slaves had a greater capacity 
to be good Christians than did their white European overlords. He actually warned white Catholics to make sure their unhealthy vices like greed, excessive partying, and sloth didn't rub off onto their slaves and undermine their natural virtue. And it seems that the slaves he had at his service were actually owned by someone else. They were just given to his charge. And frankly, these slaves were essential to his work on the frontier. Not only did they take care of his cabin and farmland, making the land somewhat prosperous so he had money to live, but they also took part in his catechetical mission. Or as you mentioned at the beginning, God certainly can bring lots of good out of evil. evil. Yes. There's actually a humorous story about one of his slaves and a local Baptist preacher. There was some sort of proclamation that went out saying that all religious persons should go to a particular gathering where they were all going to pray for the government. Father Baden wasn't at the event, and a Baptist preacher was traveling past Priestland. He spotted one of Father Baden's slaves in the field along the road and asked him why Father Baden wasn't at the event to pray for the government. The slave pointed out that Father Baden and all Catholics pray for the government every Sunday at Mass and even every single day, including in the breviary. When the Baptist preacher didn't reply, the slave then asked the man why he wasn't at the gathering, and the preacher haughtily continued on his way. Father Baden taught them well and relied upon them heavily. He had a very tender concern for slaves and their spiritual well-being. Well, He had a tender concern for the spiritual well-being of his entire flock, even if his way of expressing it could be mm, challenging. Yes, he was very morally rigorous and expected everyone else to be also. For one, he abhorred dances. He called them an infallible occasion of sin for most of the actors or spectators and said that they too often caused the partiers to miss their evening and morning prayer or worse. He was even known to go to some of these functions to admonish the dancers and give a catechism lesson on the spot while standing in the middle of the dance floor. Another funny story, much later in life when he was actually staying for a time at another parish, he mounted the bell tower with a hatchet and proceeded to knock out all of the latticework that surrounded the bell. When the pastor found out what his guest was doing, he protested, but Father Baden simply asked why they would close up the bell behind all that painted wood if they wanted the bell to ring out for the world to hear. And he continued with his hatchet work. But he deeply cared for souls and spent many, many hours hearing confessions. He maintained a rigid regular prayer schedule for himself, and expected his flock to have discipline for themselves, Kentucky children grew up with the phrase, no morning prayer, no breakfast, no evening prayer, no supper. He also debated with Protestants a lot. He maintained friendships, but wouldn't sit by when the faith was attacked or misrepresented. Once, when he and a Protestant minister were riding along together, the Protestant brought up the issue of priestly celibacy. He called it unscriptural, dangerous, and impracticable. And he continued, When you vowed celibacy, did you know that it would always suit you to live unmarried? Father Baden didn't miss a beat. He asked the minister, When you vowed at the altar to always be faithful to your wife, did you know that she would always suit you? That's a good question. Yes, I did. (laughs) He was a lone priest building churches and traveling the mission field of Kentucky from 1794 until 1806 when reinforcements arrived. First was a Belgian refugee, Father Charles Nierinks. Father Nierinks joined Father Baden at his cabin at Priestland and took over responsibility for about half the state. He is another remarkable story for another day. He and Father Baden got along pretty well since Father Nierinks was in some ways even more spiritually rigorous than Father Baden. The other reinforcements were the Dominicans. Father Dominic Edward Fenwick and his merry band of friars set up St. Rose Priory near Springfield in 1806. We talked about them in episode 94, and we'll be visiting St. Rose on the pilgrimage that all of you should come on. Info at AmericanCatholicHistory.org slash pilgrimages. 
Father Baden was overjoyed with the help. At first, he thought of joining the Dominicans and turning over all of his property to them, but that idea didn't last because, you see, the Dominicans were lax in their moral rigidity. They were okay with dancing. <laughs> well, he knows those Dominicans. Moral profligates. I know, seriously. But hey, at least they didn't give in to the local culture entirely and start playing bluegrass and singing about bourbon. Right. That degradation took another 215 years. Right. Bourbon, bluegrass, and, and the, the Bible. Bible. This is going to be a refrain. Anyway. <laughs> Have we mentioned that you all should really run out and get the Hillbilly Thomas? Run out. Just get it on iTunes. <laughs> new, yeah. new album. Anyhow. And then the big event happened for Kentucky. Bardstown was made a diocese in 1808, and that other Sulpician we talked about before became Bishop, Benedict Joseph Flaget. Now Baden could relax. The territory he'd been tending alone for so many years had more priests and had his own bishop. He should be riding high. Uh, but no. Bishop Flaget arrived in Bardstown in 1811 to much fanfare, and a conversation between him and Father Baden went essentially like this. Excellency, I am overjoyed that you are here to take charge of this flock. I am at your service. Dearest Father Baden, thank you. You have been a most amazing missionary in this area, and you have done great work building up the church. Just look at all the property you have acquired. Thank you, Excellency. You are too kind. I have merely had the good fortune to make some shrewd deals and buy land in places where I foresaw future development, and I have put it to good use for the church. Yes, of course. But now that I am bishop, you will, of course, sign all the deeds over to me. For proper remuneration, I would gladly give you all. I am a poor bishop. I have no remuneration to offer. But that doesn't matter. This property rightly belongs to the church. So you will, of course, give it over. And this is the point where it basically breaks down. Right. Baden refused to just give it all over since he'd bought it all with his own personal money. The matter went to Bishop Carroll in Baltimore, but it remained unresolved until Baden got so disgusted that he left the United States in 1819, sailing back to France. He remained in France for nearly a decade, hoping the controversy would blow over in some way. But while there, he didn't entirely abandon his friends in America. For one, he allowed Father Nerinx to use his home, a brick home which he'd built in 1816 to replace his old cabin. Father Nerinx used it as the first mother house for the new women's religious community, the Sisters of Loretto. The Sisters of Loretto are still based there, and the brick house still stands. He also solicited donations from among his friends and associates in Europe to send aid of various sorts back to America. And he did return to the U.S. in 1828, though not to Kentucky. Ironically, much of the aid he had sent back to, to the United States went not to Bardstown, but to Bishop Edward Fenwick in the new Diocese of Cincinnati. We say this is ironic because Fenwick had been the leader of those Dominicans of St. Rose that Baden had seen as morally lax just a few years earlier. But it was Bishop Fenwick whom he helped, and it was with Bishop Fenwick's sponsorship that he returned to the United States when he was 60 years old. At Bishop Fenwick's request, he headed to where the Potawatomi lived in southern Michigan and northern Indiana. We've talked about the Potawatomi a few times before in episode 48 with the Potawatomi Trail of Death, and then again briefly in episode 91 with Father Pierre-Jean Dusmet. The Potawatomi had been evangelized by Jesuits in the 17th century and had held on to their faith, though they'd been without a priest for many decades. Father Baden ministered to them and traveled around that region as far west as Chicago. During his travels, he continued his old practice of purchasing land that he thought could be advantageous to the church. In one transaction, he acquired a large tract of land in north-central Indiana, which had two natural spring lakes on it. He called this tract Saint-Marie-du-Lac, and he built a cabin near one of the lakes. 
When he left the region to move back to the Ohio River Valley, he finally accepted that he was getting too old for the work of a missionary, he deeded the land over to Bishop Simon Gabriel Brute of Vincennes. Bishop Brute, in turn, gave the land to a young French priest of the Congregation of the Holy Cross named Father Edward Sorin. Father Sorin had been looking for a place to establish a college, and this property fit the bill nicely. One of the first things Sorin did, however, was change the name to more of what we know it as today, Notre Dame du Lac. Yes, Father Baden was the original owner of the property on which now sits the University of Notre Dame. And it reached Father Soren through the hands of the saintly Bishop Brute. He told Brute's story in episode 86. Father Baden spent his final 11 years being cantankerous for God in parishes and cathedrals along the Ohio River. In 1849, he was living in the residence of the Bishop of Louisville. The See of Bardstown had moved to Louisville in 1841 when the cornerstone was laid for the new cathedral. Father Baden so disapproved of the plans that immediately after the formal laying of the cornerstone, he commenced walking around the foundation in cassock and surplice, chanting the Miserere, Psalm 51, asking God's forgiveness for the terrible blunder. So I didn't imagine <laughs> that. an image. <laughs> oh, gosh. I think my friend Eric Bootsma, who got his architecture degree at the University of Notre Dame, would have a lot of sympathy oh, for yeah. Father Stephen Baden. Probably. The Bishop of Louisville had had enough. And the next day, a wagon arrived to take the priest's belongings to a boat, which would then take them and him to Cincinnati. He willingly went. His final years were spent mostly in Cincinnati, living in the residence of Bishop John Baptist Purcell. He remained active as ever, and he died there on April 19, 1853. But, true to form, even on his deathbed, he couldn't let a small thing go. The priest who was administering last rites was taking a ceremoniously long time with the ritual. Father Baden was drifting in and out of consciousness during the rite, and during one of his lucid moments he remarked, Is it possible you haven't got through yet? After his funeral, he was interred in the Cathedral of St. Peter in Chains in Cincinnati, prompting an old acquaintance to remark, it is the first time he was ever at rest in his whole life. But there was one more move in store for Father Baden. In 1904, his remains were exhumed, and he was taken to the replica of the cabin he built on the shore of one of the lakes on the campus of Notre Dame. The proto-priest of the United States, a gruff, rigid man who was also a tender and caring pastor, a man who had traveled well over 100,000 miles in pursuit of souls for Christ, was finally at rest. You've been listening to American Catholic History on the StarQuest Production Network. If you've been enjoying our podcast, please help others find it by sharing this episode and by giving us a five-star rating and a good review. We also ask you to support the many productions of SQPN at sqpn.com slash give. To learn more about Father Stephen Baden, to find previous episodes, or to learn about our upcoming pilgrimages to important and unforgettable Catholic holy sites, please visit AmericanCatholicHistory.org. We also love feedback and hearing about great Catholic history sites and stories from all over. You can email us at history at sqpn.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash American Catholic History, on Instagram at ACH underscore podcast, or follow StarQuest on Twitter at SQPN. I'm Noelle Heaster-Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Thank you once again for joining us on American Catholic History on StarQuest. We're going to boat, 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 float a boat to boot. <laughs>
<laughs> uh, we have fun with Father words. Father Baden did not get to Canada. Sorry. Anyway, um... <laughs>